on, everybody, and welcome back to the Fight Podcast. I am your host, Serge Vicente, and this is episode 144, man. Yo, I hope your week is going amazing. It is Tuesday here in Chicago, man. And you know what? We have another great episode for you guys today. Today, finally, after long last, man, I finally got a, enough interviews to keep it interesting. I wanted to get a full episode in there for you guys. And as advertised, as promised, we have an amazing episode with a number of interviews for you guys. So let's just go ahead and jump into it today. I have the unique opportunity to have Alejandra Lara, who is a title contender in Bellator. We also have Derek Baker. Derek Baker is one of, if not the best strength and conditioning coaches in the world. He is one of the top, co- he is the top strength and conditioning coach in the Midwest. And he also trains the only world champion here in Chicago. We have him on the show and we're going to mix it up a little bit today. Today, I know we always talk about the fight and combat sports, but you guys know who listen. Obviously, I have a little bit of insight in politics and there are all kinds of different fights, whether it be obviously in the octagon or the squared circle or whether it be in your own community. So today I have the opportunity to have DeAndre Tillman, who is an alderman here in Chicago on the show as well, man. So without further ado, I'm not going to waste your guys time. Let's go ahead and jump into it. But before we get to that, remember, man, follow the fight podcast everywhere. Podcasts are available iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher, all those good ones, man. So check us out. Make sure you listen. Make sure you share. Tell your friends, man. That's what we're here for. Also, follow us on our website, thefightpodcast.com. Check us out there. Follow us at The Fight Podcast everywhere on all social media platforms. And follow your boy. Follow me at Serge Vicente. All right. Uh, Let's go ahead and jump into it. Up first, as promised, I have Alejandra Lara. Alejandra Azul Lara is a Bellator 125-pound competitor. She is an absolute beast with a record of 8-3. She's a former title challenger and has recently gotten a win in her last fight a couple weeks ago in Bellator 225. She is back on the winning track. She is heading for a title shot and she is right here to talk about it, man. So without further ado, enjoy my interview with Alejandra Azul Lara right here on the Fight Podcast. Hello, Alejandra Lara, man. How's everything going today? Hi, very good. Thank you. How are I'm, you? I'm doing really well. Hey, first and foremost, well, come on, you're Latina, so que lo que hay, man. How you been? Thank you so much, you know? <laughs> hey, hey, there's not many of us in MMA, so when I get one on the show, I got to be excited. <laughs> yeah, yeah, thank you. Yeah, I feel very uh, proud of being Latina and, yeah, one of, of the few... <laughs> So not only are you one of the few, you're actually the first Colombiana that's actually been, uh, that's in Bellator, right? 
Yeah, I did know that, actually. That's so dope. So I, I mean, let me ask you this: how does how does that feel? Like knowing you're you're generally paving a way for Latinas. And no, first and foremost, can I say thank you so again? Thank you for coming on the show. Um, you are obviously one of the best female fighters in the world. You've you've challenged for a title. You're gonna be back. Oh, it's it's it's, it's all legit. I'm like I said, I'm just being honest with you. So again, it, it means a lot for you to come on. But how does that feel, though? How does that feel being like knowing, like, look, I'm paving the way. I'm being a little bit of a, uh, you know, um, I'm paving the way for it. Like being a pioneer for especially for Latina female MMA. How does that feel for you? I don't know. Actually, when you say it like that, I'm like, wow, that that's true. I, I don't used to think a lot about <laughs> because I started just having fun, just doing what I love to do and... <laughs> And then, yeah, I, I always felt like that something big was coming and I felt like that power inside me. <laughs> so yeah, now, now I feel that I'm in a very good point of my career and I feel like I'm starting. Absolutely. So let me ask you this. So you are, like I say, you just got a, a great TKO win. Um, uh, at Bellator 225, you know, mm-hmm. in that camp, it seems like you were all over the place. They said you you went to Italy. You were, you know, obviously started in Colombia. You're, I think you might be, in, you trained in Mexico. Like, how has each of those different places helped you in your growth? I always think that uh, you can learn uh, something from anyone. Uh, from everyone have a... A lot. When I was in Colombia, I was training a lot of jiu-jitsu. Uh, there, there are a lot, uh, a very high level in in jiu-jitsu, also in boxing. Okay. And I was with my family. Uh, <laughs> and then I went to Italy, where I uh, did two training camps for uh, kickboxing. Okay. Yeah. Dope. That's like the the um, yeah the most important thing I, I did there but also training wrestling and uh, searching looking for people high level and, and right yeah hey, you're out there in Italy getting your with Giorgio Petrosian in them man you you know those are they, they badass out there <laughs> yes I was uh, in uh, looking his fight and also the yeah it's very different there the level of my tie and kickboxing right. is pretty dope that's crazy so when you went to Mexico they you said you worked on your boxing and your wrestling also and is that where you pretty much had your last like your full camp um once again (laughs) sorry no no it's okay um i was so when you went to mexico you worked on your wrestling and your boxing right Uh uh-huh yeah most of it all but also everything yeah also i have a a team for my conditioning that is uh, pretty important very very important for me uh, and yeah, it's uh, something that I approach a lot. And then my team, uh, Lobo, Bojim, it's um, the, the biggest strength is uh, boxing, but also the, the striking in general. Right, and right. I have my 
my jiu-jitsu coach and my wrestling coach that's uh, Sil Silver Fox style the <laughs> wrestling uh -huh. so, so I, everything that I worked in this camp it was what happened in the fight well if that's the case so you need to keep keep doing what you're doing then because that fight I don't think could have gone any better for you um, <laughs> <laughs> so for yourself has when did you really start with him? Because a lot of people, again, really don't know your story. A, a, a big, a lot of people really started seeing you, especially after, you know, obviously your fight with Eliminate McFarlane. And then, um, again, the statement that you made for specific, like politically, your last, uh, your last fight. But for you, like, when did you really start jumping in MMA? Is this something you've always done? Um, I always did. Uh, combat sports, uh, okay. martial arts specifically. Okay. Uh, I started with karate and then I started doing kung fu. I learned Dope. sanda. Uh, I was national champ of karate and then sanda too. Uh, and it it's was just like, a humble uh, flex. I see. It's okay. You're like I was national champ. I mean, just saying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but then I had like the curiosity. I, I always liked the contact. I just felt like it was my <laughs> myself. And and then um when I won uh um championship of, of Sanda, someone uh invited me uh to fight him in the cage. But it was a pro, a pro fight, not even uh, an amateur. I did, I don't. So your first fight was a pro fight. <laughs> yeah. How does that happen? <laughs> they just let you do your thing like you. So go out here. You won't get paid. Make they, it happen. They they asked me, "Do you want to fight in, in the cage?" And I was like, um, "It's pretty similar to the, what what I'm doing right now. So why not?" And <laughs> that's, uh, that's what's up. So for you, right? And and you're and you've seen because um, you said you're actually you're at a. Are you in Mexico right now? Yes. Okay. I'm so, in Guadalajara. Okay, because uh, you guys you're there for uh, La Combatas Americas, right? Yeah. That's what's up. So. What was that? I'm sorry, I didn't hear you. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Um, being there, and first and foremost, the organization itself, how do you like that organization? Because it's really highlighting, you know, Latino fighters. Do you think that's, like, a really important thing? Yeah, I think that any of those events that they're doing here, we, we have to support them. And it's a, it's a big league that, it's doing a very good work with the fighters and yeah we are also creating um public for yeah for for this right for mma for the sport in general so the, the important thing is to have the opportunity to fight to to have yeah a lot of movement in in the Absolutely. See, look, we just need I just I just want a couple more Puerto Ricans in there. I feel like there's only like three of us. So I need like like three more Puerto Ricans out there and I'll be happy. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah. So in terms of your in terms of Bellator, in terms of like I say your career, again, you were a former title challenger. Uh, you're back in the win column. What do you believe it's going to take to, one, get back to the championship? And two, what adjustments have you made? And how much do you feel like you've grown since that title loss that you had with Limelech? 
Okay, so the first one. I felt that in this camp, this last camp, I had a lot of time to to understand my mistakes and 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 correct them. Uh, I actually, when I was in Italy, I was working in my ba- basic in in my base. Okay. Nickel base, and I just learned again how to do. A good job. How to how to kick correctly right. because I I know that that my I had no base. Right. I was from study and that's what not not it's very different. Yeah, absolutely. So I had to adapt my my style to recognize myself every every time because I'm not I don't feel like a grappler or a striking. I feel more like ground and pounder and I love wrestling and yeah. No, yo, it's evident. That last fight, if anybody hasn't watched you, you're absolutely right. That ground and pound, like, you look like you were mad at old girl. Like, I didn't know what happened. I was like, she must have said something crazy, but she definitely beat the brakes (laughs) off of her, man. Yeah, Uh, sure. And in in those uh, fights, like, the first one with Ilima, I know that I had a big uh, lack of experience. I was, it was my second professional fight in in a level like Bellator like this and wow. I know I, I made uh mistakes that I don't know the, the with the food with the preparation yeah I needed that the experience yeah no I, I think that that's a good thing and I mean you you're still so I mean Look, you have what eleven fights. I mean, that's you know that that's uh, you need that experience, and especially the fact that you are actually in the best one of the best organizations in the world, fighting at that high level. Being able to in your second fight in the organization, fighting at the like the 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 headliner, that has to be a lot of pressure. So I'm I'm assuming the experience is really going to help you going forward. Yeah, and I feel very grateful with Bellator because I I, I feel that I'm making my career my from nothing because i start alone i always was by, by myself and yeah. and now i feel that i am a very different fighter but always with with that that i know i have <laughs> inside that it's gonna absolutely make good so do you think you're going to because your last fight was at 135 do, mm-hmm. Are you? Do you think you're gonna stay at 135, or do you feel more comfortable at 125? The thing is, Bellator actually doesn't have 135. Uh, ah, it was just wait. a catch weight then. Uh, it was a catch weight because of the commission. They didn't let her uh, cutting so much weight. So, yeah, <laughs> because <Really>? she's still. <laughs> She's taller than me, but for me that that worked very very good. I felt well, like so get the diet. I'm good. <laughs> yeah, oh, actually, and uh, ah, with you, you asked me about um, what I think it's uh, for making a rematch for the title. Yes. Um. And I know that depends of my next fights. Uh-huh. So I, I know they are going to be 
surprised. I know they they're happy because uh, you can see an evolution right. between in, in every fight. And yeah, I think maybe it's gonna be uh, faster than I expect. This. So when do you think, because again, your fight happened like less than a month ago. When do you think you're going to come back? Do you feel like you'll fight again by the, before the end of this year? <laughs> uh, before the end of this year? Yeah. Do, um, no, no, you don't think. <laughs> it's like, no, I'm done for this year. <laughs> no, no. Now let's, let's go <laughs> piano. <laughs> hey, no, I understand. I understand. No. Um, so and when do you think this will be the next time we're going to see you compete? Uh, probably, uh, I don't know, November, December. Perfect. Nice, nice. And how do you like Bellator as an organization? And, and do you like that they're with DAZN? Yes. Uh, I see uh, Bellator like a very uh, good with with. I don't know. I I know there. It's a very good enterprise, and uh, also because people in Europe can see me and write and everything, and the places fighting in Hawaii. It's an incredible thing, and they are very nice with me. That's what's up. All right. Well, we got a couple more before we get you out of here. Oh, that's a cute dog. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm about to say we saw that saw that dog on your Instagram. Ah, <laughs> oh, cutie. What's your dog's name? This is Russo. Russo? Oh, I'm just taking care of Oh, that's what's up. All right, well, so look, I got a couple more before I get you out of here. Cause so thank you again so much for joining me. Like, you know, it's it's awesome. I'm a mess today. I just woke up and I remember though. <laughs> no, no, it's all good. Um, so, with your your last fight, you made two big statements, right? Your your TKO win, and the the statement about the rainforest. Has politics always been something that you're actually a little bit interested in, or was it just one of those things that you notice it and you're like, man, I I gotta do something. Actually, both because I've always enjoyed about discuss the the things that could be wrong, that could be right. I, I always like, uh, yeah, to uh, looking for the truth and and I like to. I don't know. I feel when something is not right, I I feel the that necessity to to speak to do something yeah if, if i can and it, this is this is not new no no is is not something that that came just for this fight mm-hmm. actually in the in my fight with lima i did the, the same painting phase right. like the, the amazon yeah like the indigenous warrior mm-hmm. and just like this time it was the the coincidence, the time for that when it yeah, happened. The farce was on fire at the time. time. Yeah. All the fire. Yeah. <laughs> I was thinking about doing this uh, before everything. 
No, well, it, look, it, it ended up being such a big moment that, I mean, even even on, like, the regular news out here that doesn't even pay attention to MMA was talking about it because it was such a big, and it was a really dope statement. So, obviously, kudos to you for being, you know, conscious of that kind of stuff. All right, so we're going to have a little fun before we get out of here, right? Because I was looking at your, <laughs> your, your, your IG and everything we were talking about it. Yo, this, like, aerial... Uh, acrobatics and stuff. How long have you been doing this? And that seems really difficult to be good at. Like, how did you start doing that? Actually, when I was in university, um, I start in MMA, but at the same time, I was starting to do uh, aerial silks or aerial dance. And I think both things have uh, complemented each other. Oh, sure. And I feel everything of, of those because I, I made so many artistic things actually that uh, have something to to do with with the nickname with Azul that means blue. It's, it's right, the right. art. Oye, mira, yo entiendo, yo hablo español, okay? I, I know what Azul uh, means. <laughs> Well, it's very easy. Yeah. <laughs> hey, man, look, look, even though I grew up here in Chicago, I'm from Chicago, I grew up here, but I didn't speak English till I was like seven or eight years old. So, I'm, like I said, I'm, I'm super Boricua, okay? <laughs> but I, I know that I have to improve my English. Sorry for my, <laughs> for my bad English. No, no, it's but all good. It's perfect. <laughs> Um, I'm working. <laughs> well, look, as always, you know, thank you so much for, like I said, joining me today. Um, where can people find you? Uh, I, you? You can find me on Instagram as Aleja Zulara. It's like my name with Z-U and my well, last name I'll I, I put it all in the show notes and everything so people can find it, <laughs> it all, absolutely it is all good <laughs> it is all good well Alejandra thank you again so much good luck with everything that you have going on in the rest of your career I hope we can do this again sometime um, even if like I said I, I gotta go down to Colombia cause I got a bunch of my buddies that live down there now and they've been trying to get me to go out there so I might have to go down there and train with you guys one day so yeah, like, yeah, whenever you want to go, let me know. <laughs> I, I'm there. I'm there. I, I'm telling you, like, I got a bunch of my buddies that live in uh, in Medellin right now, and they've been trying to get me to go down there and train, like, and hang out forever. So one of these days, I got to get out there. <laughs> okay. Well, see you. Thank you. <laughs> well, thank you again. Me. Absolutely. Thank you again for for coming on, and uh, good luck with everything. Like I said, hopefully we can do this again sometime soon. That's it for you. See you later. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. Boom. There it is, man. That was my convo with Alejandra Lara. Yo, man, a lot of fun. She has so many interests. Fun uh, page to check out on uh, IG because she's doing all kinds of the air, you know, trapeze, whatever. And, uh, dude, I'm telling you, she's legitimately somebody 
who can win a belt in this weight class. She is still extremely young in the sport. Man, she only has, what, 11 fights? And being that she has 11 fights, she already has a title experience and she is continually growing in the sport. So it's really, really dope to see. And uh, again, it was an honor and privilege to have her on the show. All right, next up in the Fight Podcast, man, we have Derek DB Baker, man. Derek Baker is the co-owner of Pro Sports and Fitness um, here in Chicago. It is one of, if not the top strength and conditioning studio here in the city. Um, he trains a multitude of different athletes throughout all, all the sports in the world. He also is the strength coach for the only boxing champion right here in Chicago, and that is Jessica Miscatskill. So he and I have an interesting conversation. We have an opportunity to talk about not only obviously strength and conditioning in combat sports, um, the combat sports in Chicago, how everything has grown, and so much more. He and I have a great relationship. We had a great conversation. Enjoy my conversation with Derek Baker. Ah, there it is. Cool. My dude, man, DB, how is everything going today, man? And thank you as always for joining me on the podcast, man. Yeah, man. It's been some time since I've been back with the podcast. I think it was probably like the first three episodes, maybe. Dude, I, legitimately, man, I believe you were on episode two of the okay. Fire Podcast, man. That's when we were first over here getting it in. I mean, in, which is hilarious. Now we're on episode one. This will be 142. So, that's crazy. Man, <laughs> it, it's been some time, man. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely been some time. Well, check it no, out, man. For our thanks. listeners, and what were you saying? Things are going really well, though. Things are going well. I'm back in the gym with a couple clients, so we're everything's going really well. Perfect, man. Well, look, man, as always, thank you for joining me on the show. I know you're busy. Um, what I want to talk to you about is a couple different things. Obviously, you're, you're, I mean, you're a combat sports aficionado. You're a combat sports fan. Um, but more importantly, yeah. man, I want to make sure to talk about a little bit about yourself, what you do. So... Um, let the people know, man, exactly what you do, and um, and I'm definitely going to deep dive into what you do in pertaining to combat sports. Yeah, yeah. An auctioning, uh, strength conditioning coach, sports performance coach, uh, the head director of, uh, of programming here at Pro, as well as a co-owner. Uh, yeah, I've been around the... Around, well, my first gig ever in the world of strength and conditioning was was by Champs Gym, uh, Pat Militage's camp, wow. uh, fresh out of college. And that's when Tim Sylvia, Matt Hughes, um, uh, Robbie Lawler, uh, a lot of those guys, Jens Pulver, uh, they were all on the rise at that time. And really, the strength and conditioning world wasn't was foreign to combat sports or MMA fighting. Uh, Pat did a great job over there uh, edging the way. But his biggest thing was at the time was me training the military guys that came in, uh, firefighters and shit like that. So it was kind of cool. That's uh, what it is. Allow, allow me to get some uh, something different. Uh, fresh out of college, going to grad school at the local physical therapy school back there at St. Ambrose University. Uh, so 
it was it was real cool. A long story short, I'm here in Chicago now. Uh, been here for about ten years. Uh, own a company on the in the middle of the city, uh, in the, actually the heart of Chicago, uh, called PRO uh, Fitness and Sports Performance. So there it is, man. Well, look, man, you, you you're being a little modest, so I, I'll go ahead and, and flex <laughs> for you a little bit. Look, man, Derek is, in my humble opinion, one of the best strength coaches in the country. I don't even think it's it's even close. Um, Derek has a, a litany of professional clients um, ranging all of the major professional sports here in this country. He travels all over the world, training with them, working with them, developing programming for them. So look, man. Dude is legitimate, man. So I, I'm so again thankful so much for having you here, bro. And uh, more importantly, man, hey, it's one of my boys, man. One of my best friends in the world. So I'm happy that you're here joining me today, bro. Yeah, um, man. No, I, I appreciate it. I definitely uh, appreciate it. One thousand percent, man. So check it out, bro. Uh, being the fact, it's it's amazing, right? And I want to talk to you about strength and conditioning in particular to start off because the majority of individuals we look at combat sports. A lot of people would think we have it figured out, but strength and conditioning in terms of combat sports, yo, this is like in its infancy for real. You got dudes out there specifically like boxers walking around looking like they tip drilling with these little legs and big upper bodies. You have, you know, uh, people doing CrossFit because they think is right. Why is it that it's taken so long out of this sport that has been around and combat sports in general has been around forever. Why are they so far behind in terms of strength and conditioning? Uh, I think a lot of it goes to, uh, the coaching or, or just, the the culture of combat sports. Uh, we, we have a lot of them have a, a little pride issue and a lot of edge. Uh, and it, it has gotten more popular here in the next, or in the last 20 years. Uh, but the toughest thing with it is finding good strength and conditioning coaches, uh, nothing against those guys that think they're good out there or think they're educated or anything, but like the biggest problems we are, we're not educated. A lot of them are educated by their, by social media anymore. Uh, but also like, it's not cool to be a strength and conditioning coach for combat sports, unless you're, uh, the big, big fella down there, uh, Phil Denru that's down there at, uh, ATT. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's, he's a pioneer over there. He's doing his thing, uh, with the, with the strength and conditioning stuff. Absolutely. He's doing a hell of a job, hell of a job with his, with the group coming out of there over at ATT. Yo, and honestly, the proof isn't a pudding because you look at it, ATT is one of the best programs, one of the best gyms in the country. And it's like, and, and I want to say one thing I, I've never been able to understand is that, yo, it, it's a direct correlation. If you have a legit strength and conditioning coach, your athletes perform. And American yeah. top teams, athletes perform. Think about it. They have the greatest female fighter of all time in Amanda Nunes. They nope. have, right now, arguably the biggest fight of the year, you know, the, the B-side of it in Jorge Masvidal. You have, yep. you know, think about it, Joanna Yinjacek. I mean, I can go down the line um, of all the dudes that this dude ends up working with. And I think he works with a lot of the other guys um, like Kamar Usman and other people like that. So these are some of the best athletes in the world, man. And it's amazing to see that... 
there's only a handful of these dudes out there doing what you're doing. And even people like yourself, I mean, now you're starting to get, and again, I'm not trying to put too much out there, but you're starting to really get into the professional <clears throat> ranks in terms of professional combat sports. Also working with literally world <clears throat> champion, you know, athletes. What do you do yeah. for these world champion boxers? And again, I don't know, um, I can say the name, yeah? Yeah, no, okay. definitely, definitely can. Absolutely. Well, so I'm talking about the WBC uh, champion, Jessica McCatskill. You actually work with her and her team. That's Rick Ramos' team here in Chicago. The only world champion boxer Chicago has at this present moment in time. She's an yeah. absolute monster. She's signed over there with Eddie Hearn and those boys at the zone. She's a beast. And now DB is actually her strength and conditioning coach. What yeah, do you do yeah. specifically because you look at boxing, right? And we talked about this um, in the past. Boxing, because look, we look at MMA, we look at what uh, Phil Darrow was doing over there, ATT, and it seems like MMA has a little bit of a head start on boxing. But you look at boxing, fam. Those dudes out there, there's only hand, like you, you look at the boys down, down to like, you got the Errol Spences and the Charlos of the world. Canelo, but you know, he got the Mexican tacos in his life. Yeah. You know, but- wh- wh- what's the disconnect? The disconnect, I think, is uh, not knowing functionally, man. Uh, Uh It's kind of frustrating. Uh, A lot of, well, you're lucky if you have a strength and conditioning coach in those some of those gyms, man. Uh, And when you do, you do have a strength and conditioning coach in those gyms. It's like uh, get under a bar and push the weight and stuff like that. And and it has that old school mentality. It's a fight that we have, especially in the United States, uh, as well as. Uh, across the world but in the midwest uh, a lot of these gyms don't have the strength and conditioning coaches uh a lot of people think it's like you said crossfit right uh things like that like what's helped me out a lot is obviously my education uh but working with so many different types of athletes i have a belief of its functional its functionality Mm. uh i had uh, quite a few different athletes just thinking, yo, I need to get in here and just get stronger. And yeah, you get stronger, yes. It's, but it's not just about moving weight. Uh, you have to get stronger across the board and, um, and and not worry so much of doing too much. Uh, uh, I, it, it, I think that... No, I'm sorry, go, go ahead. ahead. No, I was like, it's yeah. interesting you say that, right? Especially being coming stronger across the board because one of the... F- I- I have believed for a long time one of the fallacies in combat sports is that if you lift weights, you try to get stronger, you're going to slow down. Do you believe that's yeah. actually a fallacy or is that there's is there some truth to that? No, it's, it's definitely not truth to it. Uh, if you lift weights... Uh, now, if you lift weights in uh, a power motion or, or, uh, or strong motion... Like what we have in Olympic lifting and power lifting, uh, and that's all you do in those types of movements. Yeah, you're going. You're, our athletes or us as people, or humans, we adapt adapt to our our movements. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, if you're underneath a, a bar doing a ton of squats and uh, ton of chain cleans, and I'm not taking any jab at crossfitters or anything. <laughs> <but that's, laughs> 
<laughs> hey man, I'm not mad if you do. <laughs> no, no, no. I think I think CrossFit is a is a great sport uh, for those that that don't that are not athletes uh, or athletic athletes. Mm. Uh, those guys that got cut from the football team when they were in high school or got cut <laughs> from basketball. Uh, CrossFit is great, and you know there, it's it's a it's a great sport for everyone. Uh, there's a reason why CrossFit started in the military. That's <laughs> those, a good uh, point. Those guys are are built for being monsters and and being running and water and I know now they do swimming and biking and yes I'm all I'm all for that stuff but those sports don't don't get paid anymore or eventually they may or maybe become an Olympic sport but that's not a sport that uh, people sign up to, to to pay to watch you know absolutely now do you feel like because he- and again, we've talked about already like different philosophies of training, and um, and I know you know of like the Marv Marinoviches of the world, or, like one of the OG yeah. OG strength coaches, right? Yeah, and, yeah. And he, his disciples, and everybody, they believe in the way because when BJ Penn was at his peak, uh, Marv was and his team was doing it, and now Marv's disciples are training guys like Rafael dos Anjos and things like that. Their thought yeah. process is at the end of the day, you know, during the off season, your job is to focus strictly on your job is to focus on skills in camp. Yeah. You should just work on strength and conditioning. Is that is that do you think that's the truth or is that is there like a, fi- a balance in between there? Because granted, it does seem like his athletes tend to fizzle out after a while. Yeah, man. So it really depends as a strength coach. You got to know, know your personnel. I always speak about it in here. Know your personnel and know what you're working with. Right. The biggest, back to what I was saying is what happens with our athletes, uh, they, they're doing too much, especially in the in the combat sport world. They're doing way, way too much. I just had to cut some of our, our box, boxers out uh, from doing way too much now because we're not getting the, the things that we need to get. Uh Combat sports is not nothing different from any other type of athlete. They just you just compete at a different with a, a different skill level. Right. Uh, I'm a huge fan of of uh, of making sure you get your rest, uh, making sure you really focus on flexibility. Uh, a lot of those things are across the board for any athlete, mm-hmm. uh, even even NASCAR drivers. You know, right? Uh, those those guys have to understand recovery is so so important. Uh, it, it's always been a fight that we deal with is doing too much. You know, uh, you know you can always change the body by by taking them out of the comfort element or out, out of the the things that they continue to do you can make a minor tweak and change and you can see the change in the body uh and i feel like combat sports you uh we have a lack of communication mm-hmm. through strength coaches to regular coaches uh well there's a lot of chefs in the kitchen too in, in combat sports but that's any sport uh you can see in the basketball world you have a skills coach a shooting coach a fucking high school 
head coach. Facts. Then you have the strength conditioning coach. Then you have your uncle that did a bid in the skin for 10 years. <laughs> like, he can be the strength coach. So it's, 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 I feel like it's a, just sports across the world uh, or, or across the board with combat sports. You know, you have a strength coach, you have a cut man, you have a hands guy, uh, you have a jiu-jitsu guy uh, in mm. boxing. We have, you know, a conditioning person. Uh, and that's, I feel like, when you see the, uh, Jessica in this next fight, uh, uh, we just talked about she has a new... Uh, a new mechanic. I, I tell all our athletes to treat yourself like a <laughs> like like a uh, like a for a high quality uh, sports car. So when you start, yeah. So when you start tweaking things and changing things and moving things, you know, it's, you got to tune tune things up and make sure everything talks to each other and stuff like that. Uh, you'll, I think you'll see in Justice next bout uh, a more athletic Jessica, uh, a very, very strong Jessica, which we've always had a strong Jessica. I just feel like you're going to have a different strong Jessica. Uh, and then... Uh, yeah, which is terrifying for any of the ladies that got to jump in there with it, man. Because if you yeah. guys haven't watched Jessica compete to this point in time, yo... She knocks people completely dead. Like, she yeah. has all kinds of pops. So if she has extra horsepower, yo, that's terrifying. Yeah, yeah. Like, like I was just talking to her uh, Monday morning about it. Like, hey, we're, we're three, two and a half, three weeks out from our next, our next fight, October 12th. Uh, I want to see what you got. And, you know, she's been doing a lot of, uh, a lot of different ways of, of sparring. Uh, and we before we couldn't turn or before she wasn't turning any power from the ground up she wasn't using her feet uh, she was just shooting from her hips uh, Man. And, and punch and just punching people that way uh, now this we turn those things on and educated her and made her understand her body and stuff it could be kind of scary here in the next three years with her. Oh, man. I, I can't wait, bro. Just to be able to see her yeah. and perform and seeing more combat sports athletes coming your way is going to be really dope because it, it truly is. There's literally three guys that people think about when it comes to combat sports, you know, especially at the top level. So, I mean, being able to see this and seeing it from the ground like up and kind of developing is really dope, man. Um, yeah. All right. So check it out. You're a combat sports fan. You, yes. you, you pay attention to boxing. You pay attention to MMA, man. This weekend, yeah. we got Errol Spence. We got Sean Porter. Fam, yeah. what's going to happen, man? Man, you know, I'm... I'm, I'm going to be a Spence fan. I'm not going to bullshit. Uh, <laughs> I love, I, I love the, I love the young man's story. Uh, I'm, I, I'm one of those that, if you look at him, you're like, ah, he's okay. And then when you start seeing him in the, in the, in the ring, it gets a little, it gets ugly, man. Uh, and he always has a, a, a quite a chip on his shoulder. Uh, so, yo, have you seen him uh, going back and forth with Porter this camp? You see how he's? It, I mean, the trash no. talk is getting a little spicy, man. Yeah, no, I haven't. You know, I'm not. I'm not a condolence and trash talker, so <laughs> I haven't seen any of that stuff. Uh, you know, I, I have a feeling that he, he's the person that's not going to back down from anything. You know, right? You but. You back that little guy in the corner, he's going to come up out of there. Yo, have you ever heard some of the stories of him and uh, Mayweather, the, their sparring sessions? 
Man, I've heard a few of them. I've heard that he a few times he's knocked uh knocked knocked your boy cold a couple times. Yeah, the best one of those <laughs> stories that I've heard, and I don't know if anybody else has heard this. They said this is right after Floyd got out of the clink clink, right? He gets yeah. out of jail. He goes into sparring, and he they put him in there with Errol Spence before anybody really knows who Spence is. They said Spence puts the, the hammers on Buddy. But uh, my my question is is like before Errol Spence, anybody knew what he who he was. But in the boxing world, we we always kind of knew who Errol Spence was. Exactly. So for 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 uh, Mayweather to come out the clink and. I know he had plenty of time in the clink to study on things and, you know, <laughs> and I'm not saying study of, like, reading study, you know. Yeah, I mean, study his craft. Yeah, you know, uh, I don't I don't know how he did not know who Errol Spence was because that dude, that dude was mowing through things back then. Well, yeah, well, they said that my mans went out there and if anybody knows, Mayweather's camp and the, when they spar, it's the pit. People be out there, yeah. they talking trash, it's all kinds of it. So what ended up happening, they said, was, and again, everybody can, this is up there, people have been talking about it, the story's out there. They said after, it got to the point that Floyd was like, look, man, I'm done, you can go out the ring now, I need somebody else. And they said, Spence was like, nah, homie, you, you staying right here, we gonna, we gonna get this work. And they said, Spence continued giving my mans the work, man, so look... I look at I believe it. it. Yeah, oh, I, I believe Spence is going to go out there and, and do work, man. But here's another big fight new question for you, especially upcoming fights. November 2nd, Canelo Alvarez, somebody who we both think is really dope, fights Sergey Kovalev, right? He has to yeah. put weight and sides on. So we can sit there, we can talk about, you know, the strength conditioning and stuff. But more importantly, that exact same day, the UFC has the bad motherfucker title with Jorge Masvidal and Nate Diaz going at it. <laughs> Which fight are yeah. you watching? <laughs> so, so, honestly, and I, I love Canelo. Uh, and I live in a predominantly Hispanic neighborhood. Yeah, my man's uh, is in Pilsen right now. People, Pilsen is is little Mexico here in Chicago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, you know, I know it's going to be buzzing around the neighborhood, uh, and it just depends if I can get away from the the gym and and all those things, or even if I'm on stateside. But uh, honestly, I'm gonna I'm gonna watch the UFC, man. I'm a, yeah, I'm I'm a big fan of, <laughs> of of Nate Diaz. He's he's a grandfather of uh, of the sport, and he he told a lot of people that. And for him to res- respectively uh, give Mastodon on this fight, uh, just like that's dope, man. Because a lot of people run from the smoke. <clears throat> oh, he's leaning uh, into the smoke, man. You got two yeah. dudes. I think one of the best quotables from this one is obviously Nate was like, "Yo, you know Jorge, he's a gangster, but he's no West Coast gangster." Yeah. And, and yeah, Jorge yeah. responded, "Was like, you're right. I'm not a gangster. I'm a Miami yeah. goon." <laughs> yeah, and that motherfucker is a goon, straight up uh, goon, man. Yeah, no, I've I've always been a a fan of Moss. Uh, I like the way outside of outside of the way uh, he kind of he kind of fights and he just leaves everything out there. Uh, like he he gives two shits, and I love it, and I love it, and, and I'm always been a fan of the Diaz brothers. You know, when they were coming up, watching them come up and go the ups and downs like they're they're honestly real life professionals man uh they you don't ever hear them on some bullshit 
you never hear them disrespecting people. Uh, you don't hear them catching bar fights and getting their ass touched up. Uh, you don't hear about like they're honest. They're honest, real life professionals. And man, it's, it's uh, things that we miss from the world of of athletes. Like I, I was just talking, shit. I was just talking to you about it uh, about. Antonio Brown, Brian, or Antonio Brown, he just, he made himself look like a clown. He, he makes minorities look bad and it's bad enough. We, we struggle with the, with the, with being in sports and the NFL is a mess in the first place. He's just a fucking laughing, laughing stock. Now I know Tom Dude, Brady and those guys. Yeah, man. And, and however you want to slice it, he's a millionaire. At the end of the day, he doesn't have to wait for check to check. But that's just—it's saddening. Uh, man, millionaire. Honestly, my man's just <laughs> pissed away thirty million dollars. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And honestly, I—I, I, you know, we we talk bad about certain people in, in all sports. Like, you know, you talk bad about about Mayweather being a goofball and doesn't doesn't take education serious and stuff. But at the end of the day, he's still amazing professional you know absolutely he does what he does uh, in the ring man all right bro yeah. so but again i know i appreciate you being out here with me i got a couple more for you man um sure. and, and so you deal with athletes from all over all uh, di- uh, different variety of sports yeah if we're talking about fighting which athlete do you believe would do the best job transitioning to the octagon to mma okay current uh, professional current professional in any sport. Um, hmm. So I just think of having like being in the octagon, you have to have grit and and, and grind and, and, and have a little dirtiness about yourself. Absolutely. Uh, but as as well as you gotta take your your uh, preparation serious, uh as well as you gotta be on top of your shit like education wise and all that stuff. Uh I'll give you two of them. Right. Uh, Chicago guy, uh, I think Khalil Mack would be one. Ah, uh, just mean. Ginormous. Yeah, mean. Uh, got some serious paws, uh, as well as like he plays a defensive end position. So he, I think he could, he'll be able to, to maneuver pretty well. And generate all him. kinds of power. I mean, yeah, look, at, yeah. I don't like Buddy, but Greg Hardy, bro, he's out there knocking yeah. fools dead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, him, uh, big fella from L.A., too, that plays. Oh, uh, man, are you talking about, um, uh, yeah, the, the the big yoked mug who, who yeah. might win MVP again, uh, Donald something, right? Yeah, uh, he's another one, I think, because actually I think he might do some Brazilian jiu-jitsu stuff. Because uh, his, right. his handwork is, is ridiculous uh, over there. Uh, and then I think the one that kind of catches me, uh, just because he's mean, angry, but super, super athletic, uh, Westbrook, man. Yo, uh, yes. I think so too, uh, man. Yeah. Uh, he's just grit, grimy, just gives no fucks. He'll figure out how to make it happen uh, however he wants to. Uh, and his, his athleticism is, is close to none outside of, you know, I'm a big LeBron fan. So, uh, so yeah, I, 
There it is. No, I, I, I like that. I, hey, those dudes. And here's the thing. I will say, did you recently see there was a video with Russ and uh, and your boy James Harden out there at a UFC yeah. gym trying to throw some hands, man? What'd you think about that, man? <laughs> I, I didn't see the video. Uh, you know, I, I think... Uh, I think your your boy uh, the beard better chill out with that stuff. Man. <laughs> uh, I'm I'm for it and everything, and you working on your hands, uh, but I don't I don't know about that, man. Hey, man, you know what? I've seen uh, one boxer that not boxer one basketball player that I've seen who actually has decent hands. Yo, Dame Lillard does not have bad hands. Yeah, no, you know Dame Lillard does a great job of. Uh, of what he does with yeah. what's going on, and he's trained uh, with a, he's trained with Andre Ward in the past. Somebody else who the Diaz brothers also trained with. Yeah, uh, I, you know anybody anybody that works different, just not being a one dimensional athlete. I'm I'm all fan of stuff. I'm a huge huge fan of, uh, and he he really works on a lot of things. He does a lot of stuff in the in the gym. Uh, skill wise for basketball, uh, strength conditioning, he does a pretty damn good job too. That's uh, so yeah, I don't, I don't know. Like uh, <laughs> Russ is just so so grit and grimy. Oh yeah. Uh, with what's going on, you know, he uh, he's he's about for anything, you know. I he, I believe it, man. He's he's one of those throwback dudes, which I really always appreciate, man. Well, yo, DB, man. I always appreciate your time, fam. Um, where can people find you? And at the end of the day, also, man, we want to make sure people, especially if they're in Chicago in that area, man, they can go and check out the gym. Where is that? How can they find you? And uh, is yeah. there any deals right now going on for new clients? Uh, so my gym is located at Ashland and really 18th and Blue Island. Uh, it's called PRO, uh, Sports Academy of Fitness. Uh, we're located in the Pilsen land area, so it's the heart of, of Chicago. Uh, we we have a couple of deals going on. Those guys that are into combat sports, we're doing. We did a partnership with Body Shot uh, over with Rick Ramos, so we do a part dope, partner dope. partner deal with them. Uh, you can do boxing over there and do uh, strength conditioning and sports performance with us. Uh, excuse me. Uh, where else you can find me? My my handles, my social media handles is DB Miyagi, DB M I Y A G I, and uh, that goes for well, Twitter man, as well. Getting this karate kid on, I ain't mad at you. <laughs> no man, it's funny you ask you say that, but honestly, I I made that name up a while back. A couple a couple things. One was uh, uh, Young Jeezy and. Uh, uh. And Snowman One on One, when he calls me, you can call me Jeezy Miyagi. Uh, so I copped it from that. Uh, but when I when for all you young media, cats out there, man, you better jump that old school <laughs> Jeezy, man. Come on yeah. now. <laughs> and then uh, when I when I first started social media, like Instagram and stuff, I, didn't, I wanted, wanted to be different. I didn't want Derek Baker or DB or anything like that. And when I first started here in Chicago, so 10 years ago, and really it's 10 years ago when Instagram started rolling too, uh, I had a gym out in the boonies, uh, out in the Brookfield area. And it was maybe 900 square feet, uh, tile floor, 
shitty turf that I was waterlogged three times. Like <laughs> it was, and it smelled just weird. Uh, two racks. It was just kind of thrown together. It was at this place called the Max Sports Performance, uh, Max Sports Arena. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I had a parent come in and was like, Yo, this is like a dojo, man. Like, <laughs> what's going on in here? And I'm like, well, this is what happens. And through the whole workout, he just kept on making fun of me. He's like, man, you're like Mr. Miyagi. Uh, and this is like a dojo and it's real, like, very zen and we're getting educated in here because I, I, I push there education in, in our gym. Like, when you walk in, you got to learn something about yourself. Uh, and learn why we're doing what we're doing. So it's just kind of stuck. So that's my Instagram name, DB Miyagi. There it is, man. Well, yo, DB Miyagi. Go, everybody go up there and check out, get your, get your dojo on. <laughs> definitely, definitely, definitely. Well, yo, Derek, man, yo, we got to do this in studio at some point in time soon. Obviously, you got to get you in and break down some fights. But uh, yeah. more importantly, brother, thank you so much for joining me on the Fight Podcast, bro. Anytime, bro. I'll see you uh, later, and we'll we'll try to make it again here. It won't be 140 episodes before I get back on here. <laughs> That's what's up, man. <laughs> All right, brother. Peace out, man. I appreciate you. All right, bro. Yes, sir. Braca. All right, man. Yo, that was my convo with DB Derek Baker. Always a lot of fun to have him on the show. Again, someone who has a wealth of knowledge, not just in terms of strength and conditioning, but he's someone who has legitimately been ingratiated with the sport from the very beginning. Having relationships with people like Jens Pulver, Robbie Lawler, and things like that, man, this dude is an OG in terms of strength and conditioning, and he is an OG in terms of being a fan of not only the sweet science and boxing, but also also in uh, MMA. So all of combat sports always appreciate his time and that was a lot of fun. All right. Last but certainly not least, I am joined by DeAndre Tillman. DeAndre Tillman is the alderman of Calumet City's third ward. He is also an attorney for Evergreen Legal Services. He is someone whom I've known for a long time. He is someone who works diligently in the community, really trying to get things better for a lot of different people. I wanted to bring him on today. Um, and honestly, I'm gonna be honest with you guys. This is an interview that we pretty much recorded about a month ago, um, but everything still pretty much stands. So he and I had an amazing conversation, not only about politics, um, but just life in general, man. Um, an incredible person, someone whom I'm very, very proud and happy to call a friend. And, uh, I really hope you guys enjoy my conversation with Alderman DeAndre Tillman. Low, low, brother DeAndre, man. How's everything going today? Everything's going well. How you doing? Oh, man, doing very well, man. Or should I say, I'm sorry, man. Or should I say Alderman Tillman, man? How, how, what, what is the preferred, uh, you know, uh, uh, um, title? You know, I definitely want to say it right for everybody listening, man. Right. Certainly Alderman Tillman, but I've been knowing you forever. So you, you, can, <laughs> you can refer to me as how, however you choose. <laughs> well, look, for those who don't know, man, DeAndre and I go way back. Um, and we actually literally go back to our first day at college at Illinois State University. Uh, I swear, I said, I think that's when we actually met one another, man. We've been buddies ever since. Uh, frat brother of mine, just all around legitimate, man. That's how, he's my real brother now, man. So, uh, you know, as always, man, thank you so much for coming on the podcast, bro. We've been working on this for a minute, man. Thank you again. Yeah, I'm glad that we finally got a, 
our schedules in line. Absolutely, man. So check it out. As you already know, man, this is a fight podcast. You know what I'm saying? But one of the things that I really want to do is I've really been wanting to make sure that we're showing different type of fights, whether it be like someone like myself who had to fight from, you know, an illness and cancer. And we've had a couple people like that on. But you have a unique position. You are an alderman. You are somebody that's actually fighting legitimately for the little man every day, man. Um, could you explain to the people a little bit? Exactly. What is it exactly the job title and the position that an alderman actually does? That's a good question. You know, when I ran, many people ask that same exact thing. What exactly is an alderman? What am I voting for? So um, in the makeup of a city, in Calumet City specifically, we have seven aldermen, one mayor. In the city of Chicago, there are 50, 50 aldermen and one mayor. So the mayor uh, directs and runs the meetings. The aldermen are the ones that actually vote and propose new legislation. Uh, the aldermen are also the people you call when you have, you know, any type of city issue, whether that be I want a speed bump, um, I want a handicap sign in front of my home, there's trash in the front of some vacant lot, whatever that is, <laughs> you call your alderman first and it's our job to kind of uh, direct that and be the liaison for the residents. Awesome, man. So. Was this something, again, is this for you, was this entry level to get somewhere else? Or, I mean, just in general, man, it, like I have an idea, obviously, because you and I know one another. But was this the, always the plan? Is this something that you like? How was it that you actually got into politics? Because, and again, I want to talk about in a minute, you know, exactly what you're doing and how, you know, the vote and everything. We'll talk about that a little bit. But, man, what got you into politics, man? What got you into this place? Do you always had inherent want to actually want to help people yeah absolutely I, i'm gonna comment on something you said if you said was this entry level i don't like that uh terminology absolutely not whenever hey, you no disrespect yeah, yeah no, 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 no. whenever a, a person sees one position as entry level they may not take that role um as seriously as they should because their eyes are, are ahead of them. So I became the alderman because I really wanted to affect the change in the community that I grew up in. Um, awesome. I was involved in, in politics from a young age, nine, 10 years old. My mother ran, my mother was on the school board, my father. Um, I knew all the city official folks and I was helping the township at a young age. I was involved in the Cook County Young Democrats at a young, you know, my high school years. Um, so when I went to law school, graduated, came back, um, I knew I wanted to do something to help change the community that I'm from. And uh, being an alderman gives me that foundation, that platform uh, to affect change. So how is it? I mean, aside from, again, I know you're writing legislation, you're doing different things. Does the way you directly affect change, is that going by how you're listening to your constituents and saying, OK, this is what my people actually want? Or are you going based on whatever be analytics, polls, whatever the, the case may be to sit there and really devise certain plans for your community? That's a wonderful question. I'm going to give you an example uh, because it's really hard to just answer that. One of the very first big things that I had to vote on when I became an alderman was uh, Cook County's minimum wage ordinance. So Cook County passed a minimum wage ordinance that says every city within Cook County raised the uh, minimum wage to $15 an hour. However, if you're um, a home rule city, you have the ability to opt out. Your home rule city, uh, if you're of a, of a certain size. So Calumet City is a home rule city, we were able to opt out of it or opt into it. Um, 
I, I was sworn in May 1st, 2007. We had to have this decision by June 30th, uh, 2017. I'm sorry. <laughs> so two months. Um, so I was about to be like, bro, we were definitely still in college. <laughs> right. So, so analytics said one thing. Analytics said it's not smart to increase minimum wage right here in Calumet City because we border Indiana. Um, we border other cities that have already opted out. It would be unfair for the businesses in Calumet City to have to compete with that. Um, but the residents said another thing. We actually had uh, minimum wage on our ballot ref- as a referendum, non-binding, and the residents said, you know, 86 percent, this is what they wanted. Wow. Um, so we had to weigh exactly such a good question. You know, I have to weigh analytics versus the wants of the residents um, and try to compromise that. So uh, I was actually one of the only aldermen to vote or to try to compromise to give what the residents, mm-hmm. what they wanted. So I was saying, let's raise the minimum wage to $13 an hour, gradually step it. Um, ultimately, I was outvoted. We didn't raise it in Calumet City, but um, I, I went on the record to go with what the residents said and to try to compromise. That has to be something, especially for you know you going to meetings and your, your constituents literally going in there and saying, man, this guy is actually going to bat for us. I think that has to count for a lot, man. And that, again, for you, that is that generally is the fight, which is a beautiful thing, man. For yourself, um, in your field, in what you're doing, what would you consider the fight? Like, what is, for you, what is your fight? Um, I, I think the fight, and I, I like, you know, it's a holistic approach, mm-hmm. but the number one thing, if I could point to anything, is economic development. What can I do to bring new resources into my community? I think if you do that, you will touch so many other aspects or, or, or fights, if you will. Let me just kind of explain sure. it in Calumet City specifically. Uh, we have a mall. Um, and if you know anything about malls, they're all declining because Amazon and, and online business is booming. It's beating the brakes off of them. So, yes. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so if we can so if we can, you know, kind of flip that around, offer some incentives and drive businesses back to Calumet City, that's gonna do multiple things. Number one, um, is going to reduce the property taxes for everybody else because your property taxes are assessed uh, based on the total property tax assessment of the city. So if a business enters the city, they're going to pay a lot more taxes, thereby reducing the property taxes of homeowners. And if you know anything about Cook County right now, Southland Cook County, we're really hurting because our property taxes are too high. Absolutely. Um, schools are funded through property taxes. So if we, you know, are able to. And really to do quick, this, I'm sorry not to cut you off. For those who do not know, Cook County is the Chicago land area. So that's, yes, you know, that's yes, a big that's yes, Chicago. Yes, so just yes. to continue, I just wanted to make sure so, that would be known. Yeah. And so in Illinois, schools are funded um, by levying the property taxes. Uh, so if we, you know, increase the amount of money going into property taxes, we'll ultimately be able to funnel more money to schools, fund education better, you know, until we change the formula. So that'll help that. And then you're providing jobs, opportunities. If you have good businesses coming to the area, uh, businesses that like to do community outreach and things, then we'll be given more opportunity for these 
uh, children. So then you'll be helping crime. So that's why my number one focus is always what can we do to drive the economy in the area? And I think a lot of other problems will be touched. Man, it's funny you say that. And it's amazing to me at times that it seems like people don't understand that. Because when you just look at all the statistics, you you go back all the well-to-do areas, obviously, they put money into, into education. If there's actually, you know, if, if, and that's one thing I've always said to people, it's just like, how do you fix crime? Well, make sure, just like what you were doing, make sure everyone's make, making a living wage. It's one of those things that I feel like it always goes hand in hand and it always blows my mind when people don't look at it that way. But economic empowerment is such a huge thing, man. Um, looking at specifically staying with like economic empowerment and things like that and, and growing, um, what are some of the programs and things that you have kind of already put into place? I see that you've done a lot of great things with the community in terms of, you know, working with the youth back to school, things like that. You know, how are what are the little things that you're doing to really get your agenda out there? Yeah, so me, I work with a lot of uh, organizations that do things. And as you know, as you just said, I do a lot of uh, community based events. Um, as an alderman, I just try to get a lot of people to the table um, to start discussions, to start you know, businesses, to, to give information, provide information to residents, to businesses, and what we can do to uh, relocate businesses to this area uh, and provide these opportunities uh, to the residents. Um, so, you know, I just had my back to school picnic. That's an annual thing. Um, every other month I have a big event that I, I kind of do and I host. A lot of times I host these events with um, nonprofit organizations. Um, WEEF is one that I work with a lot. Um, that is uh, the Woods Enrichment Educational Foundation. Um, they, they help um uh, minorities, they, they expose minorities to the STEM field. So, you know, I think education is, is huge. So I work with a lot of nonprofit educators, especially in a minority field, because, you know, Calumet City is 80 percent uh, minority. And, you know, so that's very important that, you know, people, these children see people that look like mm -hmm. them. Um, you know, to show them that there's a different future. Dude, that has to be huge, especially because it's funny. Okay, so I, you and I obviously grew up in different areas of the city um, and you've been around it, but it, it's it's something to see, you know, people of power, not just being of color, but being, I mean, dude, you're 33 years old, you're a young dude, you know, and you're taking on that responsibility. Yeah, and I got um, a couple gray hairs now, though, so I, I don't know. Hey, hey bro, <laughs> hey, man, hey, it, hey you, you have all that stuff on your plate, man, I'm sure, bro. Um, <laughs> With the the change in youth, right, and we're seeing a lot, especially on the federal level, we're seeing change, and it seems like there's a shift to progressivism. You see the Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez's, Elon Omar, should I say the squad, right? Um, right? And me, I'm somebody whom, and again, I know, well, people who don't know, I am very progressive, right? I'm, I'm, I'm not super idealistic at with everything, but for most I am. I'm not going to stunt. Um, <laughs> the way have you that you've looked, have you the, the way that politics is going now in the country? How do you believe um, what do you think the should I say? And I'm stammering with this one. Um, the politics in our country now, what is the state of politics in our country today? Um, you know, and I hate to say this, it seems like right now the state of politics uh, is just dividing us more and more. Um, it's really hard to find middle ground. And I think a lot of that is stemmed from uh, just 
the media, you know, what what exactly is um, being put on TV and news and print, social media. Um, you know, everything is super far right or super far left. There's no compromise, red versus blue, you know, Democrat versus Republican. That is the narrative. You watch Fox News and, you know, it's this right wing agenda. You watch CNN and it's extremely left. Um, and there's no real outlets where people can actually come together and just have valuable discussion to push some, you know, agenda forward that will help everybody. Because, right. you know, no matter how you cut it up, you know, half the country, you know, voted for Trump. You know, I, I'm not a fan of him, but, you know, half of the country, you know, believes in his policies. Yeah. And the other half of the country, a little more than half of the country, um, you know, b- believe in some of the things you and I agree with. Absolutely. But at some point, you know, how do we, you know, bring the whole country together and have that dialogue? And I think on a local level, it's good if we just um, we just open up those dialogues and kind of ignore the the social media and the media and just try to have those conversations among ourselves and see what we can do to you know improve our areas and see how that affect the greater area and see if we can just start a snowball. Absolutely, man. It's. Do you think it's important that? we start getting into and paying attention to politics, yo, because I, I, I've realized that gener- people like ourselves that are still in our early 30s paying attention to politics is still not as popular, should I say. Do you mm-hmm. think people should start paying attention, even as small as a, on a local level, yeah. you know, not, yeah. like even at the, at the earlier as possible, early as possible? I, I think people, you know, young folks need to pay attention, especially on a local level, mm-hmm. because that's where you'll see the real change. That's where you'll see the change that you can see. Um, a lot of things that I hear from younger folks is, I, you know, I, it doesn't matter who I vote for. Nothing's ever going to change. It's been exactly how it's been for me uh, in the past, you know, six years, eight years, whatever. Um, and that kind of shows me you're just not paying attention locally because a lot of things has changed right around here. Um, and I think it's extremely important for young folks to get involved because we're the ones that will uh, have to live within the world um, in the next 20, 30 years. And the policies that we're putting in place today will be the ones that affect us down the line. So I think now more than ever, it's important for us to be the ones that put those policies in place and not, you know, you know, no, no, age discrimination, but, you know, when the average age of the Senate is in the 60s. Big facts. Yeah, it just, just doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, you know, they're in their mid-60s and overwhelmingly, you know, uh, right. uh, white, no, no, should I say, old white no men. Yeah, we, yes. we need to diversify it a little more, absolutely. Um, yeah. Do you? So when you're seeing it again, all right, so in policy, we see how it's going back and forth. Things have been crazy. It, it has absolutely been one of the things that I think a lot of people people um, have unfortunately been using as entertainment. Let's change gears a little bit, right? Um, are there any, because again, I'm bringing it back to fights a little bit. I know you are a, a, more like a casual fight fan. Any big fights that you've, you've watched, you've been looking forward to, or you've seen recently? Um, uh, what was the most recent fight I watched? Uh, it's probably been a while. The last fight I watched was John Jones. Uh, and uh, and Tiago Santos. Yeah, that was the last fight I watched. Um, so that was what a couple months ago. About uh, a month and a half. Must have changed ago, yeah, man. Yes, yeah. I watch. I used to watch him all the time. So that was the last one I watched. And, do you do you believe that in terms of you know? Uh, you're, I know you're a fan of combat sports. 
Um, should the MMA community and combat sports, should they unionize? Do you think that is important for a group of individuals like that to unionize? That's a good question. That's a good question. Um, hey, man, am, you, you're a politician, I am, brother. I got to bring I you am back, generally, man. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you. I'm generally, I'm pro-union. I've seen the benefits of unions over the years. And um, when you look at some of those individual contracts and compare it to other sports, you know, there's a real argument <laughs> and, and why they should unionize. Uh, you know, they're one of the fastest growing sports right now, UFC that is. Yes, sir. Um, but wage-wise, it's just not the case. So, you know, I think unions will certainly help. Man, I think it's crazy that the majority of, like, major sports, the pay discrepancy between the owners and the players is 50-50. In right. terms of the UFC, specifically the UFC, it is 93 to 7 owners right. to athletes. I, that I is crazy. That is exactly the point. Yeah. That is exactly the point. You know, so. And so, and so it's it's nuts, man. Um, yo, uh, DeAndre, uh, should I say Alderman Tillman, brother? Uh, <laughs> um, how can people, again, how can people find you? And more importantly, if someone wants to get involved with some of the issues that you're working on and just in general as a young person getting into politics, what should they do? Um, just about finding me, you can reach out to me, social media, your Facebook page, DeAndre Tillman, Instagram page, Tillman, T-I-L-O-M-A-N underscore E-S-Q. Uh, you can email me, dtillman at calumetcity.org. Um, as far as getting involved, I would just say, you know, you can start off with reaching out to your local elected officials or just getting involved with some nonprofit and just showing up to the community event. Um, we are always in need of volunteers at no matter what type of event you are at. Um, you know, do it for the likes. I'm one of those folks. I don't care. Do it for the likes. Just show up and do it. <laughs> That's what it is, man. Well, DeAndre, man, I know you're a busy man. Thank you so much for joining me on the Fight Podcast today. Um, yo, we got to get up and watch some fights soon, man. Yeah, man. Yeah, Let me know when the next one is. I'll be there. There it is, brother. Well, yo, DeAndre Tillman, Alderman Tillman, Condiment City's third ward, yes? Yes, sir. There it is, man. Thank you once again for joining me today on the Fight Podcast, brother. All right. Thank you. All right, bro. Take care. There it is. <laughs> All right, man. Um, look, man, we had three incredible interviews for you guys today. We have three more coming for you guys this week, man. Um, thank you for all of my guests to joining me. Uh, Alderman Tillman, Derek Baker, and uh, obviously Alejandra Lara, man. We're going to continue keeping these type of things going. And I want to make sure. And here's the thing. Yes, this is a fight show. But I want to make sure we're bringing as many types of people on here for, again, for all of us, man. We want to get different perspectives. We want to get all kinds of fight fans and everybody who's really here for the fight. So thank you again to all of my guests. And most importantly, man, Ayo, thank you guys for listening. As always, I'm Serge Vicente, the host of the Fight Podcast. This has been episode 144. And uh, yo, we're coming right back at you guys very soon, man. So as always, love you guys. Make sure you listen to the pipe by the listen to the fight podcast. We're everywhere podcasts are available. Listen, share, and rate 
iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher. Check us all out. We're everywhere podcasting is available. We're everywhere um, on all social media platforms at The Fight Podcast and follow me at Surgery Sente. As always, love you guys. I'll see you next time right here on The Fight Podcast. Deuces! Deuces!